Hi, it's Steve Rode, your Get Out of Debt Guy. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably want to learn more about money, credit, and debt, or you're one of the many good people out there with bad debt and you want it to go away. But stick with me. Together we can make that happen. Either way, I'm here for you, and I believe a better and more financially successful future is ahead. It can be within your grasp. I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you find this or any of my podcasts helpful, please take a moment and leave a review on the podcast platform you're listening on. Your feedback and opinion matter to me. And if I've done a good job, your review helps others to find the podcast as well. And while you're there leaving your review, don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Last piece of housekeeping. If you have a question or comment you'd like to hear on an upcoming podcast, you can leave me a voice message at getoutofdebt.org slash message. Or leave me a question for me to answer on my website by going to getoutofdebt.org slash question. Thank you so much for being a great listener, and I'm sending you a giant virtual hug in return. And now, on with the podcast. Welcome back to the Get Out of Debt podcast with your debt expert, Steve Rode. Steve is an expert in helping people get out of debt and assist people for free with advice and guidance through his site at getoutofdebt.org. If you have a debt issue you'd like to have him answer, just visit getoutofdebt.org and submit your question online. All right, we're back again this week. Who are we? Well, this is Steve Rode from getoutofdebt.org. And with me, it seems like, as usual, um, is Damon Day from DamonDay.com. Not Damien, not the son of the devil or whatever the hell Damien is, but Damon, D-A-M-O-N-D-A-Y.com. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Yeah, well, <laughs> we got the we got the new sound effects uh, software in, so uh, you know all day long I can uh, play sound effects of you. Great. <laughs> all right. You know what, Damon? I'm going to play this one just in your honor because you said that we should be the federales when it comes to debt relief. Oiga, señor, we are federales. You know, the mountain police. The other police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. <laughs> that is a classic. I'll tell you. I think it's perfect. We don't need no stinking badges to help people, do we? <laughs> All we need is a laptop and a website. <laughs> well, that's right. Aren't you a hack with a laptop? I am the premier hack with a laptop. <laughs> oh, well, so there are a bunch of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, a couple of things. The, the, I did a couple of interviews this week uh, all about, of course, debt settlement, the topic of the day. Hopefully one of these days it will calm down a little bit. But uh, I was talking with uh, Nigel Cates. He happens to be the deputy director of the credit group for the Office of Fair Trading in England. And I was talking to him about 
the rumor of some companies setting up shop overseas. And he had uh, some advice to offer on that. Basically, let me summarize his advice. Bad idea. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, these uh, debt settlement guys are no strangers to bad ideas. No, that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but the, the rumor was that people wanted to set up a law firm or a solicitor firm. In England, uh, you know, here we have lawyers. In England, there are two different groups of lawyers. There's barristers and solicitors. Uh, it sounds really strange. But they're both lawyers. So uh, the rumor was that a group from the United States wanted to open up a solicitor firm in a law firm in England and then wanted to market debt settlement services back to the United States in order to try to get around the telemarketing sales rules. So I talked to Nigel about that, and let me play for you what he said. Um, I mean, there's, there's some general points to make. Um, one, I've, I've been in touch with the FTC on the matter, um, and they're quite unequivocal on the issue that under the, the US law, um, setting up shop uh, offshore, um, whether in the UK or anyone else, won't protect the companies from the reach of their law, and that the law gives them the authority to enforce against any unfair or deceptive practices, um, including in foreign commerce. Um, where they're likely to cause, or whether they do cause, actually, I suppose, as well, foreseeable injury within the United States. Um, and, I, I mean, I, we know for a fact that the SEC have got a track record of doing that already in some other areas. Um, so I think that's one thing to say. Um, and the other side, obviously, is that we work very closely with the SEC um, on, you know, scams work and, and in terms of general regulatory work as well. Um, but also, I think that the, the truth is that if any of these companies came to the UK, where we have quite sort of strong consumer protection law, specifically dealing with um, debt settlement, as you call it, or sort of, you know, debt management, as we might might term it, um, these companies would, we think, need a license in the UK as well, and they would, in any case, have to comply um, with UK law. So it's not quite as easy as just going up over there and setting up shop. Well, you you lived in England for a few years, didn't you? I Steve? did, I did, and. Uh, it- there are lots of regulations. Could you do the readers a favor and translate that to English? <laughs> uh, yeah. Come over here and do that. We work with the FTC, and we will kick your ass. <laughs> you notice uh, I didn't catch this till after, but you notice I said readers again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm giving well, you a little bit of slack. Well, I am a hack with a laptop that occasionally has a microphone in front of me. <laughs> the uh, OFT also said that if any lawyers in the UK participated in such an endeavor, they would be in big trouble. Here's what Nigel said. I mean, it, obviously, everything depends on the case and the, and the harm that happens. But I think the actual truth is probably that we'd go, we'd, we'd want to, you know, particularly pursue solicitors or sort of accountants or other professional um, type bodies because I think they're in a, in, a, in a better position, perhaps, to enable them to, you know, commit abuses. Um, and obviously we work with the Solicitors Regulatory Authority and with the Law Society to take action. Um, I mean, it, I think it's, it, it's just one of those kind of general, um, you know, facts of the matter in the UK and in the US that actually quite often some of the bad practice is linked to a law firm in, in one way or another because they're the ones with the expertise to, to think that they can get around the law. Um, but yes, we definitely do, do pursue them as rigorously as we would any other form of harm. There you go. 
So I think that kind of closes the door. Do I need to translate that for you, too? No, I think we, we pretty much got it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, that closes the door pretty much on going to England to set up shop to sell uh, debt relief services back into the U.S. to try to escape the new Federal Trade Commission telemarketing sales rules. Hopefully it puts an end to it. Well, it, you know, it, it probably won't. Um, you know, you're going to have to make some examples out of a lot of these guys because, you know, I always go back to my, my old standard. You can't regulate moral character, okay? So you can pass all the laws you want, but if people are hell-bent on making money from people that are in tough situations and taking advantage of them, they're going to figure out ways to do it. And then if you squeeze this industry so tight, they're just going to jump into the next industry that comes down the pike um, that they can do it. So, you know, you can, you can pass these laws and they are going to help to a large extent, but there's always going to be people that instead of trying to understand why the law was passed and what the intent of the law was, they just tried to spend their time and energy figuring out how to skirt around the law so they can continue to do what they've been doing. So, You know, it's funny. I was talking to Chris Vialli from Cambridge Credit Counseling earlier, uh, completed an interview with him that will appear on Monday. But we were talking about the Credit Repair Organizations Act, and that thing has been around for years, or at least a, a decade and a half or something like that. And yet there are companies today that still clearly violate the Credit Repair Organizations Act by selling credit repair services and taking a fee up front. They just don't get it. So well, they're, they're well, going to be... Well they, don't, well, they don't get it, but you know, there's, there's a limit to the amount of you know, resources that are available, and they know that they can get away with it, usually for years, um, and then maybe never even get you know, scrutinized. And if they do, then they just you know, close up shop, maybe get a slap on the wrist or get a fine or whatever, and they go to the next thing. So, you know, just... Consumers cannot rely on regulators to protect them. I know they're doing the best job they can, but there's just no way. There are a lot more people out there looking to separate consumers from their money than there are regulators to catch them. And there goes the dog to catch them. <laughs> <laughs> i got to remember to close the door before we start the show. <laughs> yeah, good idea. <laughs> well, no, I don't know if I should read that. Um, I, my I guess seem- is... Hmm? Probably not. Uh, probably not. Uh, I've been under a lot of scrutiny from this debt settlement company, Morgan Drexen. And well, maybe they should stop doing what they're doing. Yeah, I know. You know, they need to leave me alone. I'm really not doing anything, you know, bad or telling any falsehoods or anything. I've, the only well, reporting that I've done about them has been, you know, facts from their activities and press releases. Well, you know, it's the the ones that tend to complain the loudest are the ones that, in my opinion, seem to have, you know, the most to hide. I mean, why, if, if what you're saying is factual and there's no big deal, why are they coming out and attacking you? I, I've, I've tend to see, um, a lot more attacks coming our way lately. Um, I know why, but, um, you know, these guys at some point should probably realize that, you know, if it's true, <laughs> you're much better off just not saying anything because if you come back and uh, attack Steve, it just makes a bigger story out of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, most of the guys I think understand that and they say, oh, okay, I'll just leave that alone. But some of these guys, they go after you and <laughs> I can't figure out why. It just makes a much bigger story out of it and draws people's attention to what they're doing. You know, you know what I, I, I was marveling at yesterday, I was laughing to myself, is there are debt relief companies, be it debt settlement companies or whatever, that I have written about 
on the site getoutofdebt.org, and I've pointed out where they are doing things which are either illegal or against consumers or whatever, and they insist in being upset and uh, attacking me because I pointed them out. Yet, you know, the simple fact is, don't do them. Well, yeah, if if it wasn't, here's the easiest thing. If it wasn't true, they would just need to respond and say, Steve, you're a little misinformed. Here are the facts, right? right. I mean, and that would be the end of it. And if you were wrong, you would say, oh, I apologize. I was wrong. I don't think I've seen that yet. <laughs> you know, I that has not happened. I have not had anybody respond to me and tell, well, no. Remember, I did have that cease and desist letter, and I posted it on the website. And they were saying, you got your facts wrong. You know, this guy that's now in jail was never part of our company. And, you know, we don't know where you got that information from. I got it from your website. (laughs) 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 So, in my response to that cease and desist letter, you know, I had the screenshots and all that stuff. It's interesting because those folks didn't come back and tell me anything. But when I checked on their website a couple days later, it was... It was gone. <laughs> yeah, these, these guys don't know what's on their website. They have IT and sales guys put their websites together. They, they don't know what's on it. They like, put something on there that's good, that sounds good, that get my phone to ring so I can sell something. I mean, that's what they do. Most of them, anyway. So, speaking of, of uh, Morgan Drexen, they came out with go. a press release this week that I, I wrote about. It had a video that went with it. And the press release was all about why consumers it's essentially it seemed to be why consumers need to avoid bankruptcy and they need to use the, this new product uh, or service that Morgan Drexen was offering that was different than debt settlement can i play you the clip you may all right Walter Leder is the CEO of Morgan Drexen. He told me that bankruptcy should be the last resort. Bankruptcy is the last resort for consumers. It should be used as a last resort and it should be respected as such. It really is a restart for one's economic life. Nevertheless, it is something that you should avoid. And using the debt settlement, which was an alternative to bankruptcy, now there's an alternative to debt settlement, which is a non-formal Chapter 13, which is an attorney-assisted uh, debt resolution program. All right, so did you get all that? <laughs> I did, but I've, I've listened to it a couple of times, so... Okay, let me, let's just break this down, okay? Walter Leder is the CEO of Morgan Drexen. He says... He told me that bankruptcy should be the last resort. Why should bankruptcy be the last resort? I don't know. You're going to have to ask the CEO of Morgan Drexen. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Why should it be the last resort? If you're in trouble, you know, and how, many, how many clients have you talked to where no other solution made any sort of sense? I mean, would you say to somebody... You need to go recycle cans because bankruptcy is the last resort. Have you ever said that? No. What I, what I do, I don't have a first and a last resort. I have, I guess you can c- consider them the resorts, if you will. And we look at all of them kind of in a linear fashion where we look at everything that's available to them based on their circumstances. And I do tread, um, when I am talking to clients, um, I do notice that I, I don't just throw out the big BK word. Um, I, I tend to leave it off while I'm, while I'm just gathering my information. And then a lot of times I'll ease into it based on the feeling that I'm getting. And most of the time I'll ask them, um, what are your feelings about bankruptcy? And based on that reaction, then I know 
how to react because most often than not, the most common reaction I get is, I don't want bankruptcy. And I always say, well, fair enough. I understand. I'm not suggesting bankruptcy. I don't know enough about your situation yet. But just so I'm clear about you know, where you're coming from in your mindset, um, why don't you want bankruptcy? Why don't you like it? Mm-hmm. And then the most common answer I always get was, well, that's the last resort. <laughs> and, and so, and I said, well, that, that's fair enough. Is it because you, you filed bankruptcy before? You don't qualify? No, I just don't want to do it. And maybe it's, you know, I feel like I borrowed the money. I want to repay, repay it, which is, you know, valid. And so we, we go, but we work through all that. And then depending on their situation, um, if I feel that, you know, bankruptcy is at least a viable option, even if they're just adamant about not wanting to do it, what I typically recommend is I say, look, I know you're very adamant about not wanting to do it, but you've never met with a bankruptcy attorney. I'm looking at your situation. I'm not telling you to do it, but the numbers are saying it's a viable option. And you have these other viable options as well. Bankruptcy might be better depending on, based on what you're telling me, it could be better. So all I want you to do is just meet with one or two bankruptcy attorneys just to find out how it would specifically affect you. They don't bite. And then when you come out of that meeting, you're going to have one of two thoughts. Thought number one is, that was the worst thing I ever heard in my life, and I will, as you say, go recycle cans before I ever think about that. And if, if, and if that's what your thought is, that actually helps because that will give you an even bigger resolve to do one of the other options if you can you know, pull it off. But it will give you the mindset that you're going to need to potentially be successful. Or thought number two, you're going to say, you know what? I had that built up in my mind. It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was. It actually makes a lot of financial sense now that I really understand how it's going to affect me, and I'm glad I got that information. It well, doesn't hurt to get the information. But let's listen why uh, this debt settlement company says the bankruptcy should be the last resort. Bankruptcy is the last resort for... I'm sorry. It is the last resort. Is. Not should be. No, it is. is. To consumers. It should be used as a last resort, and it should be respected as such. It really- now, it should be respected as such. What is it? A, a hot date? <laughs> <laughs> it is not what he does, so it should be the last resort. Yeah, it is the last resort. Because Every- he doesn't sell bankruptcy. That's right. But I respect him for that. Or maybe he does. Morgan Drexen doesn't do bankruptcy, do they? I don't think they do. Hmm. Yeah. Have to look into that. But it should be respected. As the last resort. As the last resort. Because that's what it is. Okay, but then there's this other part, okay? This is uh, my favorite. The, the last part of that, the, the, these, these clips come from the video that they put out with their press release. I thought that was an independent news source. <laughs> it's called the Independent News Network. I think it's, yes. and it says in the front of the video, independentnews.org or something like that. And you go to the website and it's like, uh, not a website. It's just one of those placeholder things. But it, at but here's what I noticed. Okay, at the beginning of the video, it says, um, with a nice British accent, again, like... The um, solicitors. That thing. And uh, <laughs> the, the woman is saying, you know, I'm with the Independent News Network, and I'm here to talk. And while there's this, it looks like this whole pretense that this is really an independent news network, if you look closely at the opening, they got the little Morgan Drexen horse logo on it. So and what are you saying, Steve? I'm saying I don't think it's in. And then at the end of the video, it says copyright Morgan Drexen. So it could be a, a dependent news network. <laughs> it is. There's no in. <laughs> okay. Maybe it was just a typo in the script. <laughs> I don't know why they do that. I mean, uh, I don't want to say why they might allegedly 
create the impression that it's an independent news network and it does not appear to be. Credibility badge? The, I think, uh, badge? Yeah. Oiga, señor. We are federales. <laughs> I don't have to show you any stinking badges. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, that's good. So, but I mean, what's the point? Okay, if you're a big company like Morgan Drexen, why? What, what, what benefit is there to create this thing called Independent News Network and put your little logo on the front of it and pretend that it's independent and it's news and it's a network? Why not just say, this is from Morgan Drexen? That's not an independent third-party credibility badge. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, we're going to b- get back to that. I don't have to show you any stinking boxes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, as part of that clip, the end of the clip, um, Morgan Drexen, actually there was a comment on the website about the the entire video, and the guy said, yeah, what you know, what this dude says, it's very confusing, but that blonde in the video is hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have the attention getter. The That's credibility right. badge, yep. and then the CEO in the suit telling you, you know, what you're supposed to know. Okay, so <laughs> listen to this and tell me if you can figure out exactly what this means. Using a debt settlement, which was an alternative to bankruptcy, now there's an alternative to debt settlement, which is a non-formal Chapter 13, which is an attorney-assisted uh, debt resolution program. Okay, if that was hard to hear, he says that debt settlement was an alternative to bankruptcy. But now there's an alternative to debt settlement, which is an informal, attorney-assisted resolution. No, it's a non. It's a non-formal. 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 Using a debt settlement, which was an alternative to bankruptcy, now there's an alternative to debt settlement, which is a non-formal Chapter 13, which is an attorney-assisted uh, debt resolution program. Okay, so it's an attorney-assisted debt resolution program. Mm. How is that not debt settlement? I don't know. He didn't define <laughs> what that was. And I, I don't want to be presumptuous. I'm not an attorney, so I may be wrong. But I've never heard of a non-formal Chapter 13. Is that like nobody else knows about it? Well... That means that it's not binding. It's not legally binding, like a Chapter 13. And if it's non-formal, then, to me, what that says is you don't get any of the benefits of it. You know, you don't get the legal protection. You don't get protected under the law. It is not bankruptcy. It is, I don't know. What is it? I guess it's like dating your sister or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, (laughs) so, so basically... A non-formal, from what we can surmise, a non-formal Chapter 13 attorney-assisted debt resolution program, to the best of our knowledge, is debt settlement. Well, you see, here's why I'm thinking it is debt settlement. is because I went to the Morgan Drexen website, and I looked at the services that they offer, and it, they don't offer a non-formal attorney-assisted Chapter 13. They offer debt settlement. Maybe it hasn't been invented yet. 
I mean, they're on the cutting edge, Steve. You know, but the the most amazing thing about that is I think that we can probably agree that for all intents and purposes, probably agree that for all intents and purposes, a non-formal attorney-assisted debt resolution is where an attorney or an assigned paralegal staff member, hourly employee, um, might negotiate with a creditor to reduce your debt. Okay, um, but I think the fu- the part that I find most incredulous is it's so it's promoted as an alternative to debt settlement. It's like promoting a baby Ruth bar as an alternative to a baby Ruth bar. But they put a different bow on the same box of crap. So it seems like you're getting something new and improved. It's marketing. Uh, well, speaking Genius. of new and improved, I, I have actually, I think, done them a favor. And I have modified this a little bit to help make it easier for people to listen to. Let me know okay. what you think. <laughs> Walter Leder is the CEO of Morgan Drexen. He told me that bankruptcy should be the last resort. What? Bankruptcy is the last resort for consumers. It should be used as a last resort and it should be respected as yes. such. It really is a restart for one's economic life. Nevertheless, it is something that you should avoid. Using a debt settlement, which was an alternative to bankruptcy, now there's an alternative to debt settlement, which is a non-formal Chapter 13, which is an attorney-assisted debt resolution program. That's marketing genius, my friend. You know, Morgan Drexen should hire you. Yeah, I could make some hell of a press release for them, right? They should totally hire you. Well, I, I don't think that'll happen, especially after my interaction with them last time, where I was the, one of their more recent press releases. I just wanted to ask a question. I just wanted some clarification. I didn't want to be personally attacked and, you know, what I felt to be threatened. But... uh Ever since I asked them for some clarification on their press release, now they have let me know that they are watching. They're watching me. Well, the key question is, are they listening to you? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they, you know, maybe they can dispute, uh, you know. Walter Leder is the CEO of Morgan Drexen. Or something like that. <laughs> well, maybe one of these days they'll inform us of what a non-formal Chapter 13 attorney-assisted debt resolution program is. And, you know, the timing of this video on the Independent News Network <laughs> is is kind of funny, isn't it? I mean... It's coincidental it, because we've got a whole bunch of these attorney model debt settlement companies that are scrambling in advance of the Federal Trade Commission rules kicking in at the end of September and October. And it seems like it's the last-ditch effort to try to sell debt settlement as some attorney service. Well, you know, I didn't see in the new FTC rule, I didn't see any mention of a non-formal Chapter 13 attorney-assisted debt resolution program. So maybe they're thinking if they change the name, they skirt the law, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, well, they might have thought that, but whoever thought that needs to be canned because the Federal Trade Commission rules are pretty clear about what what they cover. You know, any time there's a negotiated... No negotiation in terms or balance or anything, it seems to fall under the telemarketing sales rules. And yeah. I'm not sure if it, 
a non-formal attorney-assisted debt resolution program doesn't do any of those things, then what good is it? Well, I, I don't know, but I'm on pins and needles to learn what it actually is. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully they'll let us know in an upcoming press release. Okay, what's next we got on the agenda for today? Well, um, you know Elizabeth Warren, we've talked about her. Uh-huh. And she is in the running for that new agency, that Consumer Financial Protection Agency Bureau. Consumer yeah, Financial. my wife my wife loves her book, by the way. You know, the she's a great contract? person. You know, I've known her for years, and she, I, I would, I think she's the best person for the job. I have, there's nobody else that I would nominate. I hope she gets the job. But uh, she actually has a rap video out now. No, she doesn't. She, this rap, this video wants Elizabeth to get the job also. You haven't heard this? <laughs> no. This goes right along with uh, our other theme of the day. Thinking about it. That's only our theme of the day. I thought we were going to run with that. Okay, well, that's going to be our theme for the rest of our lives. But uh, <laughs> So here's this video that's been put out trying to support Elizabeth Warren. Obviously, you're only going to get the audio part of it, okay? Uh, in her bid to become the first director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, who knew us financial geeks could be so hip? Elizabeth Warren, we got your back. Wall Street, you better watch out. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up. Sheriff Warren's what we need, y'all. Let me be, y'all. She's not about the money, money, money. and the green, though. She's about working class families and bringing them out of financial crisis and tragedies. She wants to expose the banks and all the greed and get rid of unnecessary fees, which means more money in my pocket. The other banks just stop it. They think they're gonna make a profit. theme but uh yeah uh, well she put it on her facebook page she linked that to it from youtube and that's how that's i found funny. it I, I, I gotta see the video i don't know what the video is but i can just picture you know uh, elizabeth you know dancing to that no she's she's not in it she's, <laughs> i didn't think she would <laughs> she's laying low she's just trying to you know if she gets she, she, 
She not laying that low. She put it on her Facebook page. <laughs> she obviously got a kick out of it. Hey, Damon, if somebody wrote a song about you, you'd put it on a face. You, you'd probably- oh yeah, I'd put it on my website on all of my posts, just on the in the side. <laughs> well, it depends on what the song says. <laughs> Hack with a laptop. If it was the owner of uh, some of these debt settlement companies, I probably wouldn't put it on my website. So, listen, while we're talking about songs, let me get the last song that I have for you this week. I want to get this out of the way. Now, uh, I, I listen to National Public Radio a lot. And, uh, because I listen to it when I go to bed. And, <laughs> right out. Uh, but there was this story, like a week ago, about this guy. And the song is called Bed Intruder. And it started out on YouTube, and it's one of these damn viral videos. The story behind it, so in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, a, a, a summer eve recently, some guy climbed in the window on the second floor apartment and tried to attack this guy's sister. Okay, there's nothing funny about that. That's bad stuff. But this guy races in, and he you know, grabs the guy and wrestles him off his sister, and she doesn't get sexually assaulted and the guy takes off the news crew shows up they film the story um and the story then gets picked up by these guys they're really they're really very talented the gregory brothers that do uh this thing called auto-tune the news on youtube and they they took the, the newscast and they made a video out of it and the thing has gone bananas the song they, they they then made a version that they put on iTunes. The song is selling 7,000 copies a day. And by August 18th, they had sold over 30,000 copies. It had reached number 89 on the billboard. And there are now 2,300 covers of this song already on YouTube. Jeez. Okay. So the the good thing is that the proceeds from this song have been split with uh, Antoine uh, and his family. And they've used the money to move out of the Lincoln Park projects. Which, you know, I hope this isn't just uh, they got a bunch of cash and then they're going to spend it and then, you know, where are they going to be? But uh, they have received a lot of money from the sale of the song. The video on YouTube, if you look at the the main videos that were originally put out, I think they're almost nearing almost 18,000 views. I mean, 18 million views. So, the problem with the song, here's my problem. It's infectious. (laughs) It is hilarious. I mean, the the video, the the audio probably won't do it justice, but the video is hilarious because it's actually, because I did see the actual newscast when it was on a few weeks ago or so, and it's actually the actual footage of the newscast, but the way the footage of the newscast, but the way these guys put it together, it makes it look like these guys are like dancing, you know, to the video, but that's just actually how they were acting in the newscast, which is hilarious. I mean, the problem is that in my household, we just walk around saying lines from the song, because it's just that damn infectious. And uh, (laughs) here it is, homeboy. He's climbing up windows, he's snatching your people up, trying to break them, so you need to hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, they had your husband, cause they break the name, I'm not here, you don't have a cup, they confess, we're looking for you, we gon' find you, we gon' find you, so you can run and tell that, run and tell that, run and tell that. 
attention to the shirt and left me the fresh and all you are so dumb. You are really dumb. Oh yeah. The man got away leaving behind the evidence. I was attacked by some idiot in the pine tank. So dumb, so dumb, so dumb, so dumb. He's climbing in your windows, he's snatching your people up. Trying to rape them, so y'all need me to hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband. Cause they bring the name of the idea. You don't have a cup and confess. We're looking for you. We gon' find you. We gon' find you. So you can run and tell that. Run and tell that. Run and tell that. Homeboy. Home, 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 boy. It does have a catchy beat to it. It does. It does. It, you know. <laughs> hide your kids. Hide your wife. <laughs> hide <Somewhere>. your husbands. <laughs> <laughs> but the but, funny thing is that the, the words are the actual, they, they just took the actual news footage and then added the beat to it and kind of changed some things around. But those are like the actual words that were on the news footage. Yeah, right? no, that is it. They, they That's didn't, what makes it so hilarious. Yeah, the, they took the actual interview and they edited it and made this song out of it, which has just gone crazy. Oh, God. hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find you. <laughs> oh, God, we'll just walk around the house and we'll be like, you know, hide your husband. <laughs> all right, we're going to lose all our listeners. we got to get to something here. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Well, I, I think it's, you know, it's a fantastic success story that out of, you know, a, a terrible situation you've got this they're making a lot of money on this thing yeah and hopefully they're you know getting some you know some help they're budgeting that money and they're you know setting it aside and, budgeting the uh, money gonna, what a freaking segue you couldn't have read my mind better <laughs> <laughs> you walked right into that one it's my last clip of the day too you have another one yeah it's I not do. like we do a show every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just had to, you know, I just started preparing for this show yesterday. So, um, I have all these old films. Uh, one of the things that I have done in my life is, uh, especially, my specialty is actually uh, World War II gun camera films. I know this sounds really strange, but um, I have one of the larger collections of World War II gun camera films, and I digitally convert them. And restore them so that I can uh, help the the guys, the pilots from World War II that are still alive, so that they can actually see their footage. So I, well, that's cool. Yeah, I well, didn't. I, you mentioned something like that, but I didn't. I thought it was just you were collecting cameras. I didn't realize you were like putting old footage together for those guys. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I I have the the actual films that were in the P fifty one Mustangs and P forty seven Thunderbolts that actually flew in World War II. So. I don't know if I should should ask, but how in the heck did you get involved in that? Well, I'm a pilot, and so um, I have an interest in aviation. And at one point in my life, a few years ago, I had some free time. And so I just started uh, researching stuff. And uh, one thing led to another. And then, you know, some guy said to me, hey, I got this film, and I don't know, you know, what to do with it. And so I said, well, look, let me check and see if I can get this thing transferred for you. And so I went to a, uh, a company and asked them, you know, how much would it cost to transfer this thing? And it was some unbelievable amount of money. So I decided, well, I'm going to learn how to do this myself. And so um, actually I have the, uh, the equipment to digitally transfer films. 
and it takes a, um, a high-resolution picture of each frame and then puts it all back together, and it's a whole big process. But one of the things that I collected over the years are uh, films about money topics. They're hard to find. They're boring. <laughs> That's why they're hard to find. They're hard to find. <laughs> But just recently, I've started converting these things and putting them up on my site at getoutofdebt.org. Uh, in a, um, I think the first one I put up is I, cre- I created a new category. It's called uh, like movies and films or something like that, videos and films. And so I'm putting up these old movies. Now, what I really like about this one, it's an old film and one of these instructional films called uh, Your Thrift Habits. And this one happens to be from 1948. And What's what I love about these old movies like this is that it's this one's about budgeting, the skills involved in budgeting, the tools involved, the things you need to know, have never changed since the dawn of man. You have two cows, you spend one cow. You have one cow left, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you spend more than two cows. You have two cows. You need to call Damon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a farmer. So uh, I think these guys are apparently are either trying to be, they were trying to be high school kids or real goobers or something. I don't know. But here's a clip from uh, 1948, Your Thrift Habits. Boy, that sure is a swell looking camera, Ralph. Wish my dad would get me one like that. Well, my dad didn't buy the camera. I bought it myself. You did? Well, how did you do that? How could you afford it? You don't earn any more than I do. No, I just saved up for the camera. Saved up? How can you save up? There's always something you have to buy. I got Pete Super Delight, huh? Well, I just worked out a budget that allowed for savings. A budget? Oh, no. I tried a budget once. Didn't work. Well, I tried a couple budgets at first that didn't work either. Then Dad showed me a way that really can work. How? How do you work your budget? Oh, no. It wouldn't work for me anyway. (laughs) how do you work your budget (laughs) it wouldn't work for me anyway not with that attitude ralph or whatever his name was (laughs) those guys just sound like they just came out of leave it to beaver well and they certainly look like they did too if you actually see the clip i know the guys actually they make a reference to it in the audio there but the guy's actually eating they're sitting at a, a, a ice cream shop and he's eating a peach super delight which is why he can't budget his money. No. Because the other guy's sipping on dirty water. Yeah, or that's what it like looks that. like. <laughs> you think it might be like soda or something, but uh, there's no he fizz to it. He looks so fun. He's sipping on dirty water and he's got his ice cream sundae. It's like, no thanks. I'll stick to my ice cream sundae with no budget. <laughs> but, you know, here we go. 1948, people are still struggling with how to manage their money in order to save it up and get things that they want. I've got some other videos, uh, movies that are coming out too. Uh, there's one from 1962, which is all about how to manage your money too. And it's the same old thing, you know? So we get into this, all you need to do is budget. Managing money problems is easy. You just need to budget. It's, yeah. ju- it's just not that easy, is it? Yeah, budgeting is fun, Steve. I hate budgeting. So do I. I don't budget. I'm a debt coach. You're a debt <laughs> coach. Yeah, I, my, my my philosophy is do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there have been times in my life where um, I've needed to get a ha- handle on where my money is going. And so I'll track the cash. Where's the money sure. going? You know, I'll, I'll get some information from where I, I'm spending it, and then I understand where my money is going. Okay, and I might do that for a month or two. 
I think the last time I did it was probably 15 years ago. But um, outside of that, I hate that stuff. I don't even like dislike it. I hate it. Yeah. But you know what? You're, you're not alone. You're like most people. And, you know, really, the, there, there's no perfect system. Um, and, and really, the only one that I've found over the years that, that really kind of semi-works for people, if they're going to stick to it, that even gives them a chance, is you know, kind of going back to their old, you know, Kiyosaki concept of, of pay yourself first, where, you know, you're not going to be able to follow a budget the whole month. People, this is not how people live. But if you just sit down maybe once a month and you do it when you get paid, you allocate the money for certain areas, and then you have a specific amount of money that's in your petty cash or whatever you want to call it, then the other money is already allocated for the other stuff. So it makes it a lot harder to overspend if the money in your account is yours available for the two weeks or for the month. And then you don't really have to worry about every time you're buying something, whether or not you've got enough money in there. That's That works a lot better than the standard budget where I don't know if you're supposed to carry the thing around with you and check it off every time, but you know people just don't don't live like that. No, and the the major leak that you can easily fix if you don't know where your money is going is you can track your cash. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, um, in my findings over the years and studying clients and measuring things, I have found that people will reduce their discretionary spending by 20% simply by writing down where the money's going. Mm-hmm. Writing it down, well, you know, between it delays you a little bit from buying the next thing, but <laughs> writing down the money, money um, just makes you aware where it's actually going. And people say to me frequently, they say, Steve, how much should I spend on eating out, as an example? The, I don't care if you look at a pie chart and it's got a certain percentage, what your housing should be, your transportation, or eating out, or anything like that. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't have to be that hard. It doesn't have to be that stressful. Just spend less than you make. Save the rest. You know, have have a good time. Have a life. Do things that you enjoy doing. Yeah. I'm always but reminded that, oh, of the guy that, that, that died. Uh, he was a forklift operator. And he died, um, he'd, you know, eating day-old spaghetti off paper plates all of his life. And he dies and he donates all this money to the university. Uh-huh. He, he needed to use it. He needed to have some fun in his life. Because... While you can be comp- a compulsive spender, you can also be a compulsive saver. Yeah. I just want people to have some balance. Well, the, the main thing is to, you know, to have a plan that makes sense and works for that individual person based on you know, their mindset and their habits. Because you, you can't just have one single strategy that's supposed to work for everybody. People are just different. And you can make adjustments, too. I remember I had this client, and she was spending a lot of money on fresh cut flowers. She loved fresh cut flowers. I think she was spending like $25 a week or something like that. And her thing was, I can't do without them. You don't have to do without them. Just buy them every other week. Yeah. Well, my my wife's um, is uh, Starbucks coffee. And I mean, literally like some days she'll have two, three cups and she's like, we'll cut out everything else if we have to, but I'm not cutting out my coffee. Okay. (laughs) Well, that's a boundary. No problem, honey. <laughs> that's fine. You got a couple of kids. You could probably sell one of them. <laughs> she'll come home. She'll say, Damon, where did, where did our child go? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the sound effect. <laughs> no, I have to thank you for the sound effect. That's you. Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> Our child went to Starbucks. That's where he went. <sighs> so um, the other thing that's new this week is it's probably going to be really boring and technical for most of our audience, both of them. Um, (laughs) 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 That uh, there was a new uh, uh, opinion that came out from the appellate court about, and this affects credit counseling, debt settlement, all sorts of debt relief organizations, that basically says that any organization that says that they can improve your credit or re-age your debt or do anything which adjusts your credit into the future, uh, it falls under the Credit Repair Organization Act, and you can't you can't charge fees in advance of actually repairing somebody's credit. So it's kind of a technical thing, but the bottom line is there are going to be a lot of companies that are going to get sued in class action lawsuits because they are no longer exempt from under the Credit Repair Organizations Act, and there have been certainly there have been a lot of uh, debt settlement companies that tell people if you settle your debts it won't hurt your credit. Or there have been here's my new favorite are the nonprofit uh, credit counseling companies or debt relief companies that are only state registered and not IRS approved. There's this one in particular in California uh, that I confronted them about it. And I said, why are you not IRS approved? And they said, they rejected us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to give them points for being honest. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate uh, your honesty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, companies like that are, are not going to be exempt from the Credit Repair Organizations Act. And if they have ever told anyone that they will repair or improve their credit then these companies are probably facing stiff fines and penalties and lawsuits. And there's a greater danger of, I think, overall, of companies being put out of business over this ruling than the whole Federal Trade Commission telemarketing sales rules things. Yeah, but these guys aren't going to pay attention to it. They're just going to keep, they're just going to keep doing it. So it's going to be a blip on the radar, and they're going to keep doing what they've always done until a whole bunch of these guys get nailed to the wall by regulators, and then they're going to stop and go, oh, they're going to actually enforce this. We better yeah. stop doing this, and then we're going to go rip consumers off in some other industry. I mean, that's all they're going to do. But, hey, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. <laughs> You're cynical. <laughs> I, I, you know, if you, if you look at my blog and kind of how it's progressed just in, in a, you know, just, just in a you know, year period of time, yeah. it, you're right. I mean, it's, it's gotten to the point where I used to give people the benefit of the doubt and kind of beat around the bush about it and be like, hey, this looks, you know, a little fishy to me, but, you know, I wouldn't go jump to conclusions. And now, you know, I've been in the industry so long now. And I, you're right. I am cynical. And, and the reality, though, is if you're a consumer and you're in debt and you're looking for help, you're so much more likely to get misled, scammed, conned, um, anything but actual help. You're so much more likely to be put in a worse position than you are to actually get help out there. There's just so many people. It seems never-ending. There's just so many people that have no problem separating consumers from their money. And I find a lot of the times the people that are doing the separating actually think they're doing a good thing. They have no idea what they're doing. Well, it's and like it's, this belief that bankruptcy should be the last resort. You know, we need to get that person in our program because bankruptcy should be the last resort, and they need to pay us for the next five years 
But in, in the meantime, they're stressed, can't sleep. It's affecting their work. They're not having enough nookie. <laughs> <laughs> well, lost. We're down to one listener now. <laughs> <laughs> but and and that's what they do. And then they you know bump their pom poms and get all their salespeople all raw rod up on this is why we're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And every person you get on the phone needs to be in our program because this 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 and this. And the salesperson, you know. It's self-serving, of course, but they believe that. That's their job. That's what they do. Their boss is supposedly this financial guy, which typically they're not. And I'm just a sales guy or whatever. You know, the sales guys, and they're going, well, I'm a sales guy. What do I know about it? He's telling me this is how great he is. It's his company. Who am I to question that? He's going to pay me when I, whenever I tell somebody how great his company is. So that's what I'm going to go out and do. I'm going to tell all these people that have debt that I have the great solution for you. And they go home at night, and they think, man, look, I helped all these people today. I mean, some of them know that they're really screwing people over, but I think a vast majority of them think they're actually doing a good thing and they don't have a clue. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so what's on your radar for the rest of the uh, next week? <clears throat> more of the same? Um, yeah. Um, just more of the same, you know, cynical. <laughs> <laughs> Bitter. You know, <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't even touch on this, but I, I, I am I want to write on you know that that task press release that came out a couple of days ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the Association just, of Settlement Companies. Yeah, it just really rubbed me the wrong way, big time. And you know what happens, now, happens when you get rubbed the wrong way? Uh, <laughs> we might as well stop. We have no listeners now. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's listening to this. Uh, but you know. I, I just I, I haven't had a chance to write it yet. I've been I've actually been slammed with consultations. Um, you know I don't know if it's this new law that's coming out or consumers are just finally starting to um, you know get more awareness of what's going on and they're just really looking for some you know straightforward answers instead of sales pitches. Um, but when I get some time, maybe in the next couple of days, you know you've got task here that's been just adamantly opposed for years uh, about anything that would potentially limit the amount of money that their member companies could charge up front. They've been just adamantly opposed to the to the tune of they're all going to go out of business for the most part or it's going to their latest idiotic argument is it's somehow going to hurt consumers if we can't charge all this money up front. Mm-hmm. And and so they've all the way up until a couple of days ago or sometime last week they were just adamantly opposed to this and it's unfortunate that the FTC did this and yada yada yada. Then a few days ago, they completely flip 180, and now they issue this press release that says we're for the FTC fee ban, and we're so happy that we got to you know work arm in arm, lockstep with the FTC or whatever BS they put in there, and they put out this press release that if a consumer had no background on any of this and just saw that press release, they would basically come away with the conclusion that task is out there fighting the good fight for the consumer. And it just pisses me off that they've got all this money to do that and to deceive people. I mean, I don't know what you want else you want to call it. It's mm-hmm. pure deception. Yesterday we were against it. Today we're going to champion out in front of this thing. I mean, if I don't want to puke all over my keyboard, you know, when I see this stuff, it, it just... And so, you know, people look at my blog and they see all the stuff I write about Task and Usoba, and some people are like, oh, you're just cynical. Yeah, but I'm right. If you look at what they're doing, if you weren't writing about it, if I wasn't writing about it, 
they would be able to just completely get away with it for the most part. Mm-hmm. They could say whatever they want because they know people, they're, they're busy, they've got families, they've got jobs. They're not going to go research this stuff. I mean, you and I have to deal with this crap every day of our lives, but people are going to see press releases just like that, and that's going to further the, the deception that, oh, Task is really looking out for us, so we have to be, you know, uh, look for a member of Task, you know, to settle our debts. And in the meantime, most of the biggest offenders are members of Task. So you got these consumers that think that's a good thing, and this is organization that's vetting them. And they're just out there, just they can say whatever they want to say, put out whatever BS they want to put out, and 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 consumers don't know any different, and it just just bugs the crap out of me. Well, don't sugarcoat it. I mean, tell us how you feel. Well, that's why I'm like, you know, if you asked me this a year ago, I would sugarcoat it. I'd say, well, you know, they've got this press release, but it is kind of ironic that they were against it. So, but maybe they've got some, you know, new board members in there. Maybe they're trying to turn the ship around. Screw that. No, they're not. You know, this is they they did this because they finally figured out that if they didn't get on board with this, they were out of business. There's no other way around it, because if companies that are not in compliance are going to be out of business and companies that are out of business don't pay dues, especially to the tune of ten thousand dollars a month Mm -hmm. to an organization like like task. So they fought it as long as they could. And then when it became obnoxiously clear that they had no other choice, they jump out and rah-rah, we're for consumers, we applaud the freaking FTC, are you kidding me? Now they're applauding the FTC, or yesterday, what, Onspock from Usoba was calling it a freaking tragedy for consumers, and now they're applauding the rule? It's just a publicity stunt, that's all it is, and it just pisses me off. Well, speaking of Usoba, right, United States Organization of Bankruptcy Alternatives, the other debt settlement trade group, Yeah, uh, they have been mysteriously quiet ever since this thing has passed. Well, except for putting their foot in the mouth about a tragedy for consumers. Um, about their intentions, their belief, what they're planning to do. A task came out and basically left Usoba swinging in the wind with their membership, which is secret. I don't know if they have to wear uh, a costume or something when they meet. Um, but have you heard anything about what their position is? I haven't heard a peep, but you know what? At least I, I got to give kudos to you, Soba, for not being a freaking hypocrite. Well, I don't know if Task was being a hypocrite as much as they're just saying, "Okay, we lost. Now you you won, or you know, well, we blame." No, in my, in my opinion, they are because in the same. This is my opinion now. In the same press release, they come out. We applaud the FTC. We're glad we got to work with them. They, they make it seem like they got some of this information in there, like it's all about them, how they, you know, help the FTC craft these new great rules. But at the same, so so there, so this message is, you would probably agree that this message is supposedly pro-consumer, right? We're yes. behind this new law. I would agree. So this is why I say a hypocrite. In the same press release, after they applaud the new law, then they go against it and they say, well, even though we're for the new law, we're still against it. And we're against it because we feel that instead of an advanced fee ban that's going to make it very hard on us, it's all about them and their, com- their member companies, we feel that what, what should have happened instead was a refund policy. Yeah, because that always is really effective, especially when the company's out of business. Good luck getting a refund there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they want a refund policy with a, 
um, what, what they wanted it a, um, you know, a surety bond or something like that that they would put up that would supposedly ensure that if the company went out of business, then this bond would pay out all of the refunds. And the reason I call them hypocritical is because on one hand, they're saying, we're so pro-consumer, we're with the FTC, but by still coming out and saying the advanced fee ban is still bad, what they don't get is that the actual concept of charging clients and consumers a front-loaded fee, I'm not, I don't think there's really anything wrong with a retainer or something reasonable, you know, as long as it's reasonable and it's not a huge amount of money. I understand doing business and needing to collect some money for um, what you're doing. But I also understand the need to, for a blanket ban just because of the abuse that was in the industry. So these guys go in there and they still take a shot that tells me that they either don't get it, which is scary, or they don't care. It's one of those two. They, they either don't understand or they don't care. There's no other explanation. That they're, they're making this seem like, well, this, this, you know, you don't need a ban. You just need a refund policy and that way with the surety bond and that way bad companies can't rip people off and what they don't get is that the the very nature of a front-loaded fee is a rip-off to consumers and it's bad news to consumers because it's going to put them at risk for increased litigation activity and it's going to make it so they have to wait longer before they can settle the debt with their creditors so that fee structure on its face is anti-consumer so that's why I call them hypocritical because they go out and they put out this press release like, look at me, look at me. We're out in front leading this movement and we're applauding the FTC. Oh, by the way, we think the FTC screwed up and they should still let us do this. So how can you be both? Well, I think I think they're just trying to avoid the next big hammers that were hanging out there. I, I think that they realize that uh, they're much better off getting behind this new FTC ruling and – agreeing to ban advance fees than letting the legislation in Congress, the Debt Settlement Consumer Protection Act, come and annihilate them. Well, they come out and say they're for this, but have you seen any guidelines issued by TAS and their member company telling them what they need to do to be in compliance and maintain membership in TAS yet? No. In fact, I have communicated with them about that very issue, and they said that they do not have guidance yet uh, for their members about how to comply. And, you know, September 27th is the date this thing kicks in. We are... For the compliance issues, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we are... Um, or the disclosure issues. Like, what, 36 days or something uh, from that date right now. And companies, they're going to need all of 36 days and then some in order to get all their data together, change their marketing, change their websites, change their sales scripts, get everything so it's compliant. Yeah, and, and the other thing that just ticks me off is they fought this the whole way through, and you said, well, they realized that it would be better to to change and support the law, and it's like, well, of course they realized it because the alternative is to go out of business, and, and that's just what gets me is they can be so anti-consumer this whole time, then try to issue a press release and then pretend that they're all of a sudden, you know, they've had a come-to-Jesus meeting or something like that, and they've realized that. Well, we, what we've doing—they didn't come out and say we realize what we've been doing has been very damaging to consumers. They didn't—they're never going to say that. Yeah, they said you win. Yeah, you win, but we still disagree. We still think we should be able to charge us money. So it goes back to my my old you know standby of you cannot regulate moral character. They're still saying well we should be able to do this. So for when I would I want to serve up a consumer on a silver platter to an organization like that that clear. 
I mean, you just look at all of the stuff they've been doing. You got these guys, you know, going offshore, which has some ties back to tasks. You got the guys that were looking to get out around the rules by using internet lines instead of, you know, phone lines back a couple of months ago. Everything that comes down, what these guys do is they spend their money lobbying and trying to figure out ways to get around laws that are going to not allow them to charge consumers all of this money and then not provide a service and be able to get away with it. So at what point do you just say, well, this is what their goal is. Their goal is not to help people. And that's where the critical part comes in, where they're going out there. Perfect example, real quick, okay? We've got credit answers. You wrote a, you were, uh, an article about them several months ago about this obnoxious ad that keeps – and is still playing today. Yeah, and the, the government marketing ad. It looked like it was exactly. a government program, yeah. Clearly deceptive. So you wrote an article about it. Uh, they're, uh, they were an accredited member of TASC and – the president of Credit Answers was on the board of Task. Okay, that just tells you what you need to know. Just look at the Task board, and that'll tell you who they're, you know, who they're rooting for. There, I don't see Elizabeth Warren on the board. No. <laughs> so, so you write the article. No, nothing happens, but you probably, you know, you put the the kind of the feather out there, the first shot across the bow, like, hey, it's on the radar here. Then, after you wrote the article, Task came out with a statement that says we have zero tolerance for any of this kind of stuff, any of this you know, fake government um, bailout programs, any deceptive ads that make consumers think it might be some kind of a government program. So they came out with that after you, you know, basically exposed what Credit Answers was doing. Well, three months later, or well, maybe a couple of weeks after that announcement came out from Task and a few months after you wrote your deal, I saw their same ad on TV again. And then I wrote an article about it and saying, what gives here? You know, they're still running this ad. Task says they have a zero tolerance policy, but this guy's still on the board. And they're still a quote unquote accredited members of Task. They got the Task seal on their website. They're telling consumers that they're just great, you know, company because they've been vetted by Task. Well, 12 hours after I write my article, I get an email from Luthold, what is he, the executive legislative the director, executive I think, director. Of, of Task saying, well, you know, we've, you know, no longer. Uh, Credit Answers is now no longer a member of Task. So I wrote him back. I said, well, what about Luthold? Is he still on the board? Well, no. He served us faithfully well over the years. No, no, Luthold's blah, blah, blah. still there. Or Larbor. I'm sorry, whatever. the uh, um, Whoever the CEO is of Credit Answers, Bill Larbor or something. I can't, I can't pronounce his name. It's long. So anyway, the funny thing, though, the letter basically says, look, we've been you know, planning on kicking him out for a while, basically. And they're essentially alluding to it. It had nothing to do with your article. But which is funny, though, because the night I wrote the article, they're on there as a member. I published the article that night. Twelve hours later, I get the email, and now they're no longer a member. They're off their website. So <laughs> maybe I just reminded them that they meant to kick them out. I don't know. <laughs> but here's where it gets interesting, where, where I really get, you know, where, where consumers need to know about this. So these guys were advertising de deceptive ads that were so bad that Task finally had no choice to kick them out. Because you know they didn't really want to because the guy was paying them a lot of money every month. The guy was on their freaking board. So he was you know, helped partially responsible for drafting the zero-tolerance policy, yet he's still blatantly doing it. So it took a while. Task finally, I think, had no choice but to finally kick them out to show that they're doing something. And then a month later... I get, I see that, uh, I hear the credit answers um, radio commercial again. They're still playing it. I go to their website because I'm going to write another article about, like, can't these guys learn their lesson? And what do I see on their website? I see a freaking USOBA badge. Now they're a member of USOBA. Last month they were a member of Task. 
So here's where it really kills me. Three days ago, I'm talking to a consumer that was looking at some of the you know, researching debt settlement, looking at all this stuff. And the way that person found me, which is kind of ironic, is the salesperson was telling them all the great stuff about credit answers and they're so awesome and they're great and they're large and they're reputable and that the, the salesperson told the consumer to look up Usoba and that they're proud members of Usoba and that's why they know they can trust this you know credit answers because they're members of Usoba. And so he, the way he found me was he did a search for Usoba and then he came across my article so he actually learned the truth. But it's like these guys are just selling badges to companies for money. So Credit Answers decept runs deceptive ads, gets kicked out of task, and all they have to do is turn around and throw a couple thousand dollars towards Usoba. And 30 days later, they're now a member of Usoba. And now they got new Usoba credibility because they couldn't have task credibility. It's ridiculous. It's all about the badge. Do I get a soundbite? I don't have to show you any stinking badges. <laughs> So, yes, I stand by my statement that they are hypocrites when they now put out this stuff that says, rah, rah, we're pro-consumer. No, they're not. Well, we need to end on this week, this note for this week. Before I really get myself in trouble? <laughs> Too late. Yeah, I'm so pissed, but I'm sure, whatever, I don't care anymore. All right, so... um we need to end the show. Have we figured out how we're going to end the show? Yeah. Did, weren't you supposed to come up with something? I was, but I, I've been busy, man. I'm helping people. I don't know what you're doing. All right. Well, <laughs> we're going to end the show with this this week. So stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. If you need to reach Damon, it's uh, he has nothing to do with me. He's not my partner or anything else. I disavow any knowledge of Damon. <laughs> uh, but you can reach him through DamonDay.com. And uh, if you want to find me and say something nice, you can reach me at getoutofdebt.org. I want you to stay safe, and just remember this. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, You've been listening to the Get Out of Debt podcast with Steve Rode. If you'd like to avoid get-out-of-debt scams, learn how not to be a victim from debt relief offers, get free help for any debt problem, or if you have a question you want to ask, just visit getoutofdebt.org. And while you're on getoutofdebt.org, you can subscribe to the free daily feed for all the latest help and information. 